Tensions between Australia and China are at an all-time high. Our exports to China are drying up with insults flying at warp speed between both countries. Former Special Forces Commander Major General Adam Finlay, who still advises the Australian Defence Force, believes a conflict with China is a high likelihood and even New Zealand has told us to show more respect to China. Professor Chen Hong, who has devoted a life of study to Australia and its literature, had his Australian visa cancelled on the orders of the Australian Secret Intelligence Organisation, otherwise known as ASIO, last August. He has been a director of the Australian Studies Centre at the East China Normal University in Shanghai since 2001 and was a frequent visitor to Australia. Former Labor Prime Minister Gough Whitlam invited Professor Hong to Australia in 1991 and in 1994 was asked to translate for another former Labor Prime Minister, Bob Hawke, during a visit to China. Professor Hong says he never joined the Communist Party of China, but he has been a member of a minor political party called the Chinese Peasants and Workers Democratic Party for three years. Professor Chen, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Look, can you t- before we get into to other issues, can you tell me uh, how the Chinese Peasants and Workers Democratic Party is connected to the Communist Party of China, or is it not connected? Uh, the the uh, Chinese Party, uh, Democratic Party of Peasants and Workers, is an independent party uh, in uh, China. In China, apart from the ruling party, which is the uh, Communist Party of China. There are also a number of other minor parties which are actually uh, providing, you know, policy advices and also, you know, doing social investigations, you know, in the country. In other words, playing their, you know, political roles in the country, you know, to uh, assist the ruling party, you know, to, uh, to, to, to afford their governance. Our security organization, ASIO, apparently believes that you are sort of a spy of sorts almost, by cancelling your visa. After 30 years working closely with Australia, how devastating was this? Uh, I'm not sure whether they assessed me as a spy, but actually from the notification I received from uh, uh, Home Affairs, you know, I was uh, uh, advised that I had been assessed by the uh, ASIO, by the Australian you know, intelligence agency, as uh, of some sort of a risk to uh, Australia's security. And that, of course, I refuse to uh, uh, accept. I think actually a gross mistake has been made, you know, upon my relationship with uh, Australia. I think this is very wrong, as you said, actually 30 years of, uh, you know, studies of Australia. I uh, really have appreciation and understanding of Australia as a great country, as a great nation with, you know, excellent culture. So on the uh, basis of that, you know, I really think actually this is definitely unfounded. I am not of any risk to any country. Interesting, uh, 30 years connected to Australia through various prime ministers, Gough Whitlam and uh, Bob Hawke, just to name a couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's taken our intelligence organisation 30 years to decide that you're not what we want. <laughs> Either the intelligence organisation, the word intelligence, it's an oxymoron or they're somewhat, um, or you're the greatest spy ever since uh, James Bond. 
Um, 30 years, though, that's a long time. They should have vetted you ages ago. And to say that you, you're not wanted in Australia uh, somewhat seems hysterical, doesn't it? Yeah, I think actually for me, you know, I'm an academic uh, in Australian studies. I've been studying and researching Australian culture, literary, uh, well, you know, literary studies, uh, you know, uh, 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 politics, diplomacy, you know, for all these years. I think actually this is actually the right assessment or definition of my relationship with uh, Australia. You know, throughout the 30 years, as you mentioned, you know, with uh, my connections with Australian, you know, academics, you know, politicians sometimes, but mainly, you know, academics. I think this is a very important link, you know, between our two countries. 50 years of diplomatic relationship between our two countries. We've been working very constructively and productively, you know, towards mm. the development of the bilateral relations to its current status. You know what I mean? Before actually the two countries, the relationship have been, you know, deteriorating. But definitely, you know, it has been... Uh, something that is very, you know, important that actually our two countries actually are working together for the betterment of, you know, with with some kind of, you know, mutual benefits. Well, in politics, in social relations, in economics and trade, and also in culture and education. These are all, you know, mutually beneficial to the two countries. And that's very important. How would you describe the relationship between Australia and China at the moment? Uh, China and Australia are actually comprehensive strategic partners since 2014. And, uh, you know, since actually the two countries established a relationship with uh, each other in uh, 1972, you know, in December 1972, you know, the two countries have been working very constructively and positively to improve the relationship. That's actually really, you know, uh, not, not only about, you know, trade relations, always people talk about China, Australia being, you know, trade partners, but definitely, you know, apart from trade relationship, economic and trade relationship, we have also very, you know, mutually beneficial social relations, you know, political relations, cultural relations, education uh, exchanges, and also even, you know, about military and defense exchanges and the cooperation. So I think actually, you know, it is a comprehensive relationship, but Definitely, we our bilateral relations is uh, at an all-time low. You know, this is unprecedented, and this is really disheartening. It's perceived in Australia and also other parts of the West that um, uh, China is sort of uh, gearing up for some sort of action. You look at Taiwan, you look at uh, what's happened to Hong Kong, um, you look at what's happening through the uh, South China Sea, and the list goes on. Tell me this, is there, from your perspective, you're in Shanghai, uh, one, uh, the general population, uh, what's their thought or do they have a thought or do they really care? And two, mm. this is it more hysteria and beating of the chest and trying to deflect what's happening domestically within the Western countries? Uh, you know, first of all, you know, uh, when you talk about domestic, I mean, Chinese, you know, uh, uh, responses to what is happening, you know, I strongly advise when you can when the uh, travel ban, you know, uh, travel restrictions because of the COVID-19 pandemic uh, eases. Uh, if you visit Shanghai, visit Beijing, visit any city uh, in China, you know, you walk out of the hotel, go into the streets and see what is happening here. This is definitely what's, uh, what is, uh, you know, definitely different from what has been portrayed you know, in the West as a kind of like an oppressive, you know, a nervous, you know, country in which the population is being, you know, you know, you know, shut up. 
this is definitely you know uh, not the case because uh, uh, in uh, China you know people have uh, uh, this kind of you know uh, uh, understanding of our own country and also the rest of the world. And uh, I think actually there has been a kind of like a smear and scare campaign uh, in the West to uh, portray China as something that is very different. Uh, you talk about Taiwan, you talk about uh, Hong Kong. Taiwan and Hong Kong are China's internal affairs. That's not actually international affairs. So actually when China is actually you know handling its own uh, affairs, definitely I think actually the uh, West, you know, well, some media outlets, some politicians have been portraying, uh, you know, Hong Kong, Taiwan, as something as if the, these are something that is external, but that's not not right. If actually, you know, China is going to interfere with, uh, you know, some kind of domestic affairs in, in uh, Australia, definitely Australia will definitely oppose, you know, to that kind of gesture. But, uh, well, regretfully, I think actually uh, in China, people are actually, we are actually, uh, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, seeing a very disappointing a scenario in which the West is, uh, you know, simply, you know, interfering with uh, domestic affairs within the country. Australia is still having problems with the wine trade and other commodities, and we hear that uh, maybe tourism and education may be, may be affected next. China is having issues with some of its investments in Australia. Um, are things going to get worse for both sides before they get better? Uh, I think actually uh, China, obviously, is Australia's largest, biggest uh, trade partner and China values and cherishes its relations with Australia. China is not having any uh, problem with uh, Australia in terms of trade. There's no trade war between China and uh, Australia. Obviously, there might be some disputes concerning dumping, concerning some kind of uh, you know biological you know uh, hazard you know in uh, some uh, some of the exports from uh, Australia. But uh, of course, we are tackling, we are dealing with. The issues, you know, case by case, not as some kind of, you know, uh, uh, well, you know, uh, in Australia, some people actually have been portraying China lodging a trade war against uh, Australia. That's certainly not the uh, case. You mentioned about uh, education and also tourism. I agree that actually, well, you know, you know, definitely, you know, people are having second thoughts about traveling to Australia, even after the. Uh, uh, the, the international, you know, travel uh, uh, restrictions, you know, uh, uh, being, you know, you know, obviously imposed upon uh, not only China but also uh, elsewhere in the world because of the COVID nineteen uh, 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 pandemic. Uh, as we can see, actually in the West, well, including in uh, Australia, there are some kind of uh, racist, you know, uh, incidents happening around the country, in Melbourne, in. Uh, Sydney or elsewhere, even in Perth, you know, there are some kind of racist incidents. I think there's a recent report, you know, carried out in Australia indicating, you know, a majority, a vast, shockingly, you know, big number, uh, percentage of Chinese Australians, you know, uh, you know, you know, suffering, you know, racist mm. insults or even physical assaults, you know, in uh, Australia. So obviously, you know, Australia is a country that is, uh, well, 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 that is characterized with very, you know, superb, you know, education, you know, institutions, and also, you know, with sightseeing, you know, sites which is actually quite attractive to Chinese travelers. But obviously, you know, such, you know, incidents are very, you know, daunting and preventing, you know, the Chinese students and their parents to think about, you know, traveling to Australia to study. But this is definitely something that no parents would actually really have the heart 
to send their children to a country in which there are always reports, you know, numerous reports about such incidents. So I think actually there, there this is not about, I repeat, this is not about, you know, China imposing a ban on Chinese travelers, on Chinese tourists, or, you know, uh, 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 students from traveling to Australia to receive education to travel. This is not the case. But definitely this is about the actual situation any responsible governments would make those, you know, uh, travel advices to its citizens, you know, about thinking, you know, making this kind of right decision of uh, tra- making international travel. And this is simply what is happening in uh, China. And also you talk about uh, investments. I think actually China wants to have investments in Australia, but it, it is really in uh, the Australian, you know, governments in which there are some kind of uh, restrictive or even discriminatory measures or policies that actually has been uh, preventing, you know, uh, you know, Chinese businesses from, you know, carrying out, you know, normal uh, investment activities in Australia. I have to mention Huawei, you know, there's no evidence to prove that Huawei constitutes any, uh, you, know, you know, security, you know, risks to uh, Australia's uh, national security. In the same case, like mine, you know, there's no evidence provided by the Australian side to indicate I could be of any risk of to Australia's security in the same way that actually Huawei, if you mention Huawei, there has never been a single case in which actually the West or the world, you know, in, in this case, of course, you know, Australia, you know, there, there has never been a single case in which, you know, which could prove that Huawei poses as a risk to Australia's security. But still, you know, this kind of, uh, you know, blanket ban has been imposed and uh, this is really devastating to Chinese investors' confidence in Australia as a country, as a destination that is welcoming, that is open to overseas investment. Because China and Australia, I mean, I recall before COVID and hate it mm. with a vengeance COVID because it basically messed up our world. It has uh, enlightened uh, other uh, organisations to to uh, impose restrictions that are very draconian, uh, resemble a dictatorship, and that's in the West. Um, but the, the, the China Australia China West was you know, was just you know, moving along just beautifully. Uh, many Australians don't understand why this relationship has deteriorated to this extent. When did things start going wrong or are considered most damaging from China's perspective? Well, I remember very you know vividly you know in for example in uh, 2016 when Malcolm Turnbull was visiting. China. He first uh, uh, came to landed in uh, Shanghai, and he had a big launching. You know, he 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 came came to China along with a big delegation. You know, for business and trade. And in Shanghai, he you know threw you know uh, out a, a very big you know launching party. You know, well, I mean lunch lunch party, you know, in uh, in Shanghai. And I was there, you know, in in that big hall, you know, uh, in which actually, you know, there, there was this feast and also Malcolm Turnbull spoke very positively of the uh, bilateral relations. He spoke, you know, very uh, optimistically of the future of the bilateral relations and talk about agility, about, if you remember this word, magic words, you know, agility about this kind of positivity of, uh, uh, of the uh, uh, cooperation between the two countries. And 2017, in March, uh, you know, Premier, Chinese Premier Liu Keqiang visited Australia. He was in Sydney, you know, uh, invited, and he was invited by Malcolm Turnbull to watch a uh, football game, uh, an Australian rule football game, you know, yeah, 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 well, well, in which the uh, uh, Sydney Swans were, uh, was playing uh, Adelaide uh, Powers. And uh, he was presented the scarves of the two clubs. 
and he put the two scarves, one red, one blue, you know, uh, you know, on uh, on him, and said actually I support both teams. I think actually a win-win situation is very important. So actually, by that time, you know, in March 2017, the bilateral relations were still very warm, very, very, very simply, you know, mutually, you know, communicating. There's a lot of humor, a lot of you know goodwill and warmth, you know, between not only the leaders, political leaders, but also among the people between the two countries. But right in that year, in June, I think, actually, the uh, uh, in Australia, there was this kind of, uh, uh, you know, a sudden, you know, smear campaign on China, talking about Chinese political influence. You know, the media, you know, the uh, agent, also the Sydney Morning Herald, and also the ABC, the Four Corners program, you know, started this kind of, you know, uh, all-round campaign, you know, on China, you know, talking about Chinese political influence, talking about China trying to, uh, you know, you know, you have this kind of infiltration uh, in uh, Australia. Some of the incidents, actually, the uh, the uh, the uh, those uh, you know rumors and stories actually invented were actually you know later proved to be totally wrong, groundless. But still, you know, this kind of impression that China is something was something that is uh, of some kind of adverse. Uh, image had been created, and of course, uh, late that year, 2017, you know, in uh, Australia, you know, this kind of anti-foreign interference, you know, acts had been, you know, passed. Well, it was said actually the 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 law was not against any particular country, but obviously anyone, you know, you know, anyone with common sense will actually easily detect that actually it was aimed at, you know, deterring, you know, restricting Chinese uh, activities and presence in. Uh, Australia. Okay, that be it. Of course, this is Australia's, uh, you know, internal affairs and and whatever Australia wants to do in, in its own country. Well, of course, Australia has its sovereign rights. But the next year, 2019, you know, throughout the whole year, this smear and scare, scare campaign has been going on, trying to uh, demonize and stigmatize China. And of course, later we have got this COVID-19 pandemic. We must remember the context. It was actually when uh, Donald Trump was talking about the virus as the China virus, Wuhan virus, and also there are some kind of you know hawks, you know China hawks in uh, the United States talking about China should be responsible for creating this virus, and also talking about China, you know, uh, should be paying a kind of indemnity, a kind of compensation, you know, to various countries. And it was right at that moment that Australia actually came out. Instigating, you know, the first, you know, you know, in the world, instigating the, the international community to have the so-called, you know, independence inquiry on the, uh, the 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 origin of the virus. I think this is different, you know, because China supports uh, investigation of the origin and also spread of the virus. But at that moment, actually, because Australia was perceived has been perceived by China as actually, you know, working, you know, in conjunction with the United States with Donald Trump to uh, uh, shift the blame on China, trying to create an image of China as being responsible for the creation of the virus. And that's a different story. That is why, actually, we're thinking, actually, whether Australia is really a partner or whether Australia is uh, acting definitely as an enemy of uh, China. That's why, actually, I think, actually, in China, people, someone like me, who has, you know, years, you know, decades of fondness of close friendship with Australia, feel so disappointed, so disheartened. This is not actually a partner or a friend should be doing. Just, um, you know, the fear of the unknown. I mean, at the moment uh, in Western countries, it's compliance mm. by fear. If you don't do as you're told, you'll be locked up. 
Uh, some compare that though to, to China uh, because you do have a, a very regimen uh, society. Uh, the fear of the unknown um, is always one of the greatest fears we could have because we don't know. At the moment, we don't know a whole lot except that what we're reading in newspapers about China. So that fear of the unknown, which is also fueled by the hysterical press and politicians trying to get their two bobs worth, as we would say, seems to be overruling just common sense. So from your side of things, the fear of the unknown, why doesn't China make itself more open? And I know it's your own country. We shouldn't be talking about other countries doing what they do. We should be looking at our own selves because Australia, for example, with India, we have a very bad record not bringing Aussies back. America with what's happening there with compliance by fear, with with, uh, censorship. Uh, But, you know, so countries need to make themselves more open. Uh, Do you think China will ever become an open book, so to speak? Uh, I definitely think, actually, you're very right in saying that, uh, uh, you know, Australia or the rest of the uh, Western world is uh, looking at, is reading China in accordance with what they have been reading from the newspapers, from the media. That is actually something that has been manipulating the Western, uh, you know, people's impression or understanding of China. If you watch, turn on the television, if if you simply look at, you know, what is uh, being talked about China, everything is negative, nothing that is positive, you know, about Chinese control of the pandemic, effective control of the pandemic, about holiday making during the May Day holidays, you know, people everywhere in the country have been celebrating, have been, you know, uh, having, you know, holidays, uh, enjoying themselves, ourselves. And also, as I said, actually, if you come to China, come to Shanghai, you go into the streets and see people you know, simply old people dancing, you know, at street corners, mm. young people simply having fun, you know, this kind of, you know, uh, you know, uh, this kind of, you know, uh, society is not repressive. It's not really something that is uh, as being portrayed overseas. But if you turn on the television uh, in Australia, the ABC or whatever, uh, new, uh, news items, when China is mentioned, definitely you see those military people, mm. you know, parading clutching, you know, their guns, you know, looking, you know, in a fearsome, fearsome, you know, you know, manner. But that's not what we are actually experiencing here. You know, China is not militaristic. China is really something that's very, you know, open, mild. You know, I don't think actually China is being closed. You know, people talk about China is closing Draconia, you know, being strictly social control. But definitely, if you come to China, you don't see that. You know, this is actually a kind of society that is very harmonious, that's actually quite at ease mm. with itself. So it is actually, again, this background, actually, people in China, like me, you know, reading all the Western newspapers, watching Western, you know, television, and see those images. That is this kind of discrepancy. You can't, uh, uh, you know, imagine this kind of, you know, sharp, you know, contrast between the reality and what is being portrayed overseas. We have in uh, in the West, we uh, one of the words that are bandied around it's called racism you know we uh, in a, mm. i mean it's very easy to throw that around too because it's an easy word and all of a sudden it gets out of control then you have some uh, indiscriminate actions happening uh, but look at the us um, you know it's inherent in all western societies and it's basically inherent 
in all societies. Uh, one of the criticisms for China is, of course, your human rights issues. Um, for example, the Uyghurs. From a, um, a, a proud you know, a Chinese citizen, a, a proud person of the planet, tell us the reality of um, uh, these discrepancies and what we hear about your, um, your human rights issues and also with the Uyghurs. Yeah, in uh, China, definitely, I don't mind. Yeah, in uh, China, of course, as I said, actually, if you live, if you stay in, you know, just for a week or several days in a Chinese city, in a Chinese rural areas, also, you know, you won't see, you know, what has been, you know, portrayed overseas as a kind of repressive regime, human rights issues, violations. Of course, there are crackdowns on criminal activities, you know theft, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, things like that. But definitely, you know, in China, you don't see, you know, this kind of, you know, you know, oppression. You know, you know, people simply in the university and also in my university, for example, in the rest of the education, you know, institutions in China and also in the society, you know, people simply are enjoying their lives. This is simply a very normal, you know, you know, activities of daily life, you know, being carried you know, out. And also, you talk about Uyghurs, you know, you know, you know. Well, I don't know why actually people are actually really believing in what those uh, news stories have been saying, you know, about what is happening in Xinjiang. But uh, reality, the reality over there is definitely, as I said, differently, uh, very different from what is being casted as a kind of very negative, oppressive scenario. Because uh, I've been to Xinjiang myself several times, and during the May holidays, my students and also friends, they travel to uh, Xinjiang uh, to have holidays, and uh, you see what they have been posting, you know, on social media. Well, this is definitely not what actually the, the, the West have been talking about, you know, about, you know, arrest, mass arrests, about kind of, you know, you know, incarceration, but really, you know, if you look at what is happening, because people actually form a, an impression of the reality from their day-to-day experience, not from actually, you know, some kind of, you know, uh, reports, you know, that is formulated overseas. So if we look at what really what we are, re- uh, you know, living in Xinjiang, for example, to Xinjiang, you know, there's no restriction to, to travel to Xinjiang. Anybody in China can travel to Xinjiang. My, I myself, and also if you look at my WeChat accounts, you know, there are my students, my friends, you know, traveling to Xinjiang, having holidays just these days. And they took pictures and they post them on their social media. This is really the real Xinjiang they are experiencing, we are experiencing. Mm. That's actually what has been really deliberate casting as a kind of, you know, demonized, you know, you know, scenario. China's not happy about, back to Australia and Victoria, about the cancellation mm. of the Belt and Road Initiative, BRI. Mm. But could there have been a different outcome if the Victorian government, which has got number of faults they're just stumbling from bad to worse but if they had if they had consulted more with the federal government the Australian federal government on this and better explained it and its benefits to Victorians uh, I don't know what uh, the Victorian government uh, had uh, communication with the federal federal government uh, but uh, as for the BRI the, the Belt and Roads initiative, that's also once again, I think, have been you know deliberately and craft, uh, craft, uh, craft, uh, craft, uh, craftfully, you know, being uh, manipulated in the West as something that is quite sinister. 
you know, BRI is not about expansionism. BRI is not about invasion, about assertiveness, about aggression. But it is about infrastructure, you know, building. It's about aid programs. It is also about mutually beneficial, uh, you know, projects. So, so, so in other words, you know, this is not something that that have been created as a kind of, you know, China aggression, Chinese aggression overseas. This is actually the uh, uh, situation we are actually looking at. On the other hand, of course, we are also uh, seeing that actually people you know, in Australia, for now, people talk about, uh, you know, the uh, the death trap. You know, so sort of like you know, uh, by participating in the BRI, you know, people countries will be falling into this kind of a death trap. But or, 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 well, of course, you know, Australia is a developed country, and uh, for Australia, you know, how can Australia fall into death trap with uh, China? This is also once again, all the judgments, all the assessments have been made, you know, have been formed, you know, on the basis of conjecture, on the basis of something that is lacking. In evidence, so that is not the right thing to uh, make, you know, uh, you know, you know, fair judgments. So as uh, as for the BRI, I think actually this is, uh, uh, you know, a kind of like a contract between China and also the uh, Victorian government. So in this situation, in this uh, case, actually China is uh, being unfairly treated because mm. uh, you know, contract have been violated, you know, you know, this is totally in violation of their contractual uh, spirits, you know, they are, 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 when you sign a, uh, uh, agreement, you, uh, you, 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 you keep, you know, your, you know, promise, you know, for mm. the, uh, uh, that is actually, I think, uh, what, uh, China has been feeling very, you know, uh, you know, yeah, you know, disappointed about the uh, violation or about the tearing up of the uh, one-sided tearing up of the agreement between, China, you know, well, in fact, it is about uh, it is between one government agency within the uh, one agency within the Chinese government and also the the Victorian government. So this is not about a national, you know, a, a contract, but this is definitely between one agency and also one government, state government in Australia. What are some of the things that could be done then to bring both sides together? Because that's what is needed at the moment. Well, I think actually at least people shouldn't be, you know, harboring so much hostility towards each other. You know, this kind of drums of wars are beating, this kind of rhetoric is uh, is very terrifying. I think there's no, you know, more, you know, terrifying remarks made about China-Australia relations than such remarks. And also, mind you, of course, you know, we've been reading reports about such kind of, you know, war plan have been already been discussed last year, in April last year, you know, in the Australian military circles. So in other words, there are some kind of, you know, uh, preparations or even, you know, plans being made over there in Australia, thinking about engagement in war with China. But this is really very shocking because uh, with such kind of mentality, how could, you know, bilaterations be improved? Uh, I think actually, you know, you know, definitely for the both sides. Of course, there are always, you know, some kind of hawks, you know, within, you know, any country. But uh, if actually such kind of hawkish mentality is uh, taking a kind of like a dominance in the uh, policy making, in decision making, that is really very terrifying. This could be the nightmare of the bilaterations yeah. uh, or of even to the stability and peace in the region and also in the world. All you want is that itchy finger and you've got yourself a, a, a massive conflict, which nobody wants because nobody wins. <clears throat> OK, back to nice things. You uh, studied literature in Australia. You love our literature, obviously. 
Who's your favorite? Mm. Who's your favorite author? And uh, something that comes to mind that would describe the situation as it is now and to make it better. Uh, yeah, uh, for my master's thesis and also PhD dissertation, you know, both uh, papers uh, uh, were on uh, Patrick White, you know, the Nobel Prize winner uh, of uh, Australia. I think Australia has got an excellent culture. It has got, uh, you know, a, a literature that is, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, with nuances, with, uh, you know, uh, literary, you know, merits and uh I've been enjoying reading and also appreciating and also teaching my students about the excellence of the Austrian culture and also literature. Apart from Petra White, of course, there are numerous other authors. Well, right from, you know, Charles Harper to, you know, Harry Rosen, you know, many other, you know, mm. writers. And also the current living authors like Tim Winton, you know, Peter Carey. Those are really, you know, what actually Australia should be, you know, presenting to the rest of the world, not like some kind of a hawkish image that is actually trying to pro- be provocative, provoking, you know, uh, you know, fight, mm. uh, escape fights with some some country like like China. You must be appalled at the level of journalism, not only in Australia but globally. Um, maybe they could take a, a leaf out of one of the books and. Uh, to a spot of uh, learning, as we would say. Look, you're in one of the great cities of the world. They call it the New York of the East. Uh, I would, would most likely say it's better than New York because you haven't got de Blasio, you haven't got Cuomo there. Uh, you've got a beautiful city. Professor, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And that's it for Asia Pacific Today. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Mike Ryan.